This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review and Houston Round Ball Review Radio with another one-on-none podcast. In this one, I'll recap the WNBA and NBA Conference Finals playoff action, mention some WNBA awards, discuss a verbal commit for Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars men's basketball program, some NCAA news, and just a little bit more. But as always, tune in to Houston Round Ball Review Radio at roundballreviewradio.airtime.pro for more audio from me as well as additional podcasts from my colleagues discussing the Houston Rockets, Houston Texans, HBCU sports and culture, and of course, women's basketball. And speaking of women's basketball, take you back a few days. September 24th, the WNBA announced winners of the 2020 WNBA Most Improved Player and also 2020 WNBA Defensive Player of the Year Awards. Atlanta Dream forward guard Betnesia Laney was named the 2020 WNBA Most Improved Player, a five-year WNBA vet. Laney has won the Most Improved Player Award for the first time and joined Elizabeth Williams in 2016 as players to win the honor with the Atlanta Dream. She received 25 of 47 votes from a national panel of sports writers and broadcasters. Washington Mystics forward Maisha Hines-Allen finished in second place with 21 votes. And Las Vegas Aces forward Angel McCautry was third with one vote. Signed by Atlanta as a free agent in June, Laney averaged career highs of 17.2 points, 4.9 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.6 steals, and 33.3 minutes per game while starting all 22 games for the Dream this season. Her previous career highs in each category were all set just last year when she averaged 5.6 points, 4.2 boards, 1.7 assists, and 1.4 steals in 25.8 minutes in 34 games for the Indiana Fever. This season, Laney shot career highs of 48.1% from the floor, including 40.5% from three-point range. Last season, she shot 36.2% from the floor and then a career high 30.3% from three. The six-foot Laney scored at least 20 points seven times this season after not having a 20-point game in her first four WNBA seasons. She reached the 30-point mark twice this season, including a career-high 35 points against Washington on August 19th. She also recorded a career-high 11 assists against the L.A. Sparks on August 21st. L.A. Sparks forward, center, sometimes guard in her younger days. Candace Parker was named the 2020 WNBA Defensive Player of the Year. This is the first WNBA Defensive Player of the Year award for Candace, who is now in her 13th, just finished her 13th WNBA season. Parker received 16 votes from a national panel of 47 sport writers and broadcasters. Seattle Storm forward Alicia Clark finished second with 11 votes, and Connecticut Sun forward Alicia Thomas, Alyssa Thomas, excuse me, finished in third place with 10 votes. The other players to receive votes 
or Phoenix Mercury forward Brianna Turner from Manville High School in here in this area, of course, with four votes. Storm forward Brianna Stewart, three votes. Minnesota Lynx forward Nafisa, Nafisa Collier, two votes. And 2019 Defensive Player of the Year winner Natasha Howard of the Seattle Storm with one vote. This past regular season, Parker averaged a WNBA high eight defensive rebounds per game, 1.23 blocks, also uh, well, eighth in the WNBA, and 1.18 steals in 22 games for the Sparks. She was one of five players to average at least one block and one steal per game, joining Collier, Stewart, Turner, and MVP Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces. Benesia and Candace will each receive $5,150 and a specially designed trophy from Tiffany and Company. Also Thursday, September 24th, behind Alyssa Thomas and her vibranium shoulders, the Connecticut Sun defeated the top seed Las Vegas Aces 77-68 to take a 2-1 lead in the WNBA semifinal series. Thomas did not play the final 35 minutes Tuesday night in a game two Connecticut loss to the Aces when she injured, re-injured her right shoulder midway through the first quarter and did not return to that ball game. She was in a lot of pain and for her to be in a lot of pain, her, thre- her pain threshold is sky, sky high. So for her to be in pain, we all thought it was really, 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 really serious. But before game three began, Thomas's playing status was iffy. However, being the strong, badass woman she is, she, pl- she played in game three and poured in 23 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and three steals to lead Connecticut to the nine-point win. Connecticut trailed the Aces by three going to the fourth quarter. However, the Sun outscored Las Vegas 24-12 in the final period to win by nine points. Las Vegas lost the turnover battle 16-5, and the Sun outscored the Aces 14-4 in points off turnovers. That's a 10-point margin in points off turnovers and a nine-point win. Asia Wilson scored 20 points to lead Las Vegas in defeat. In Thursday's other WNBA in Thursday's other WNBA semifinal series matchup, the Seattle Storm topped the Minnesota Lynx 89-79 behind 20 points from Jewel Lloyd to take a 2-0 lead in the best of five series. The Storm closed out the series Sunday afternoon with a dominant 92-71 Game 3 win behind 31 points six rebounds, and seven assists from all-everything forward Brianna Stewart. Sue Bird was next with 16 points for Seattle. Stewie and Bird each scored eight points in the first quarter for Seattle as they outscored Minnesota 16-12 in the opening quarter. Seattle led 24-12 at the end of the first quarter and 46-31 at halftime. Seattle led by as much as 23 points in the ball game. Minnesota's Nafisa Collier led the Lynx with 22 points and 15 rebounds. 
Seattle will face the winner of the Game 5 matchup between the Aces and the Sun as Las Vegas defeated Connecticut 84-75 in Game 4 earlier Sunday afternoon. Las Vegas' Angel McCautry was a perfect 7-for-7 from the floor in the third quarter as she scored 16 of her game-high 29 points in the third to help the Aces turn a one-point halftime deficit into an 11-point lead after three quarters. Danielle Robinson was much more aggressive and impactful for the Aces in Game 4 as D-Rob scored 18 points on 7-for-15 field goal shooting, while teammate 2020 WNBA MVP Asia Wilson added 18 points on 7-for-13 field goal shooting. Asia also had 13 boards to lead the Aces. Jasmine Thomas scored 25 points to lead Connecticut. Alyssa Thomas scored 15. Duana Bonner added 10 points and a game-high 15 rebounds. The winner-take-all Game 5 of the series is set for 6.30 p.m. Tuesday, September 29th on ESPN2. The winner of that game, Game 1, will be Game 1 of the WNBA Finals between the winner of Connecticut-Las Vegas versus Seattle will take place October 2nd. The WNBA also announced the members of the 2020 WNBA All-Rookie Team Sunday afternoon. Former Texas A&M women's basketball standout Kennedy Carter earned a spot on the All-Rookie Team. Joining Carter on the team are Indiana Fever guard Julie Alamond, Minnesota Lynx guard Crystal Dangerfield, who was the 2020 Rookie of the Year, New York Liberty guard Jasmine Jones, and Dallas Wings forward Satu Sabali. Carter becomes just the third Aggie to be named to the WNBA All-Rookie Team, joining Daniel Adams in 2011 and Kelsey Bone in 2013. Carter led All-Rookies with a 17.4 scoring average and ranked 8th among the entire league in scoring. Her scoring average is also the 14th most by a rookie in WNBA history. Friday evening, the NCAA announced health and safety guidelines for men's and women's college basketball. The NCAA Sport Science Institute announced the core principles of resocialization of collegiate basketball. The guidelines include updates on testing, travel considerations, and access to the court, as well as bench areas. More details are on my site, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. I'm just going to touch on a few of the suggestions and guidelines here in this podcast. First up, training and competing in basketball require frequent, sustained, close contact among players, coaching, and other essential staff and officials in an indoor setting. Duh. Schools are encouraged to proactively define those individuals who constitute the inner bubble, which is tier one. And that includes athlete students, or as Greg Hansen of a paper in Arizona refers to them now as student assets. Love that term, student assets. And essential basketball personnel whose job function requires direct access to players on a regular basis, specifically close contact, which is six feet or less, for 15 minutes or more, as per 
CDC guidelines. Tier one individuals may differ from school to school. For example, some coaches maintain physical distancing at all times and therefore are not part of tier one. Tier one individuals are considered to be at a higher risk of becoming infected with COVID-19 if any other individual in the group is contagious and masking or physical distancing has not been maintained. The situation is further compounded because the nature of basketball makes it challenging to train in functional units. A typical basketball team has 15 players, all of whom typically train on a single basketball court at the same time in an enclosed space. Generally speaking, it is expected that the number of tier one individuals within a team would approximate 25 to 30. If any tier one individual becomes infected, schools should consider quarantining the entire team, including coaching staff and other essential personnel who are part of tier one for 14 days, provided determinations around who must be quarantined are ultimately the jurisdiction of applicable public health officials. At present, there is not a recommendation for consideration of testing out of quarantine. Preseason, based on the basketball start of season model adopted by the Division I Council, November 25th, the preseason period begins October 14th and ends November 24th. During the preseason, it is anticipated that physical distancing and masking will be compromised. However, if there are no scrimmages with outside teams, student assets <clears throat> and other tier one individuals will not be interacting with individuals outside the member school environment during practice. Based on this expectation, testing should be considered weekly for all tier one individuals during this time. If scrimmages occur with outside schools, then the testing protocol for the regular season and postseason should be considered. Now, regular season and postseason competition based on the basketball start of season model. Once again, the regular season begins November 25th because of the frequency of games and travel coupled with the risk of infection in basketball. It is suggested that COVID-19 testing occur three times per week on non consecutive days for tier one individuals during the regular season and postseason competition periods. It is suggested that the three time a week testing begin one week before the first competition. None of this details how they want teams to get to destinations for road games or tournaments. They want them to bus. Do they want them to fly? What is the protocol for all of that? Still waiting for the AAC to announce officially the move to a 20 game conference schedule for this coming season. It's going to happen. No one has contacted me to tell me that it's not going to happen. Friday, the 25th 
of September, the SEC announced start dates for the conference portions of its schedule for, for men's and women's basketball. I believe other conferences will do the same this coming week, including the AAC. But details regarding road games, neutral site games, and travel, how to get to those games, is still up in the air. So everything is still just up in the air. It's in a flux right now, but basketball will start. COVID-19 willing on November 25th. Now, NBA playoffs. Thursday, September 24th, the Lakers took a 3-1 series lead after they defeated the Nuggets 114-108 behind Anthony Davis's 34 points and LeBron James's 26 points, 9 boards, and 8 assists. Dwight Howard added 12 points and 11 rebounds in 22-plus minutes. Jamal Murray scored 32 points to lead the Nuggets. Jeremy Grant was solid once again for Denver. He's going to make himself some money as free agent after this season. Jeremy scored 17 points on 6 for 13 field goal shooting. Nuggets center Nikola Jokic added 16 points, 7 boards, and 4 assists in 35 minutes. And I'm adding Jeremy Grant is a, I believe he has a team, a player option to be a free agent this offseason. And based on his performance versus the Lakers, he will probably opt out and become an unrestricted free agent because he'll probably get better offers financially as an unrestricted free agent now based on how he did in the postseason. Saturday, September 26th, the Lakers closed out the Nuggets with a 117-107 Game 5 win to win the series four games to one. LeBron James did a little bit of everything in the win for the Lakers. He scored a game-high 38 points, pulled on a game-high 16 rebounds, and dished out a game-high 10 assists for another playoff triple-double, his 27th triple-double in his playoff career. Anthony Davis scored 27. The Lakers led by as much as 16 points in the third quarter, However, the Nuggets used a 28-12 run to tie the game at 84 with 11 seconds remaining in the third before AD switched a three-point uh, to give the Lakers a, a three-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Denver trailed 103-99 with 4.35 left in the fourth when Danny Green switched a three-pointer from the top of the key. LeBron with the assist on the bucket. Then LeBron scored the Lakers' next nine points to put the Lakers on top, 115-103, with a little under two minutes remaining in the game, and that also put the Nuggets away. With the win, LeBron reaches the NBA Finals for the 10th time in his Hall of Fame career. The Lakers will face the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, which will start on September 29th. All seven games of the series will be broadcast on ABC. Of course, games five, six, and seven, if necessary. After losing game five to the Celtics Friday night, 121-108, Miami defeated the Celtics 125-113 in game six Sunday evening to win the Eastern Conference Finals Series four games to two and make my prediction wrong of Celtics in seven. I did get Lakers in five right over Denver, but okay. So one out of two. 
Miami trailed 96-90 with 9-15 remaining in the fourth quarter of game six. Then, Jimmy Butler split two free throws. Miami rookie Tyler Hero sank a 27-foot three-pointer and then switched a 22-foot pull-up jumper to help tie the game at 96. Next, Heat big man Bam Adebayo went to work. Adebayo had his hand in Miami's next nine points. First, he threw down a two-hand slam dunk all over, all over Daniel Tice's grill. Then Bam hit a pull-up jumper and was fouled by Tice. Next, Bam made the free throw to complete the three-point play, followed that by splitting two free throws before dishing to Duncan Robinson for a three-point bucket. And Miami poured it on from there as they outscored Boston 35-17 in the final 9-15 of the ballgame. Reminder, the AAC is now on ESPN Plus as the American on ESPN Plus. I say that, that's what I've been told. The branding has not yet taken effect, but it will be known as the American on ESPN Plus. Still got to figure out programming right now. It says games, football games, not much original programming to take place right now because of the pandemic, but eventually original programming, I think they should do some coaches shows and, and other things, campus life for, from, for each member of school. But the American on ESPN plus, if you don't have ESPN plus, please Sign up via links posted on my website, HoustonRoundBallReview.com and or the Houston Round Ball Reviews Men's Hoops and Women's Hoops blogs. The monthly cost for ESPN Plus is $5.99 while the annual price is $49.99. Sunday afternoon, the Houston Cougars men's basketball program received a verbal commitment from 6'8 big man, Javier Francis. Francis is from Houston and he attended Westbury Christian School before transferring to Mount Verde Academy in Florida last month for his upcoming senior season. He averaged eight, excuse me, he averaged 14 points, 11 rebounds, and nine assists per game for Westbury Christian this past season. Before choosing Houston, he had received scholarship offers from schools including DePaul. North Texas, SMU, Stephen F. Austin, Texas Southern, and Washington State. He has a 7-4 wingspan and has been described as an elite shot blocker with a rapidly improving offensive game. He was ranked the top player in the Houston area by RCS Sports before he transferred to Montverde. Ramon Walker was ranked number two in the Houston area before Francis transfer. Therefore, the Cougs have received commitments from the top two players in greater Houston. Francis joined 6'6 guard Ramon Walker and 6'5 guard forward Robbie Armbrester as class of 2021 commits to Houston. Javier's commitment to Houston continues a pattern Coach Sampson and, and his coaching staff had developed in signing the top players in the greater Houston area. Francis and Walker were top 10 finalists for the 2020 
Guy V. Lewis Award, which recognized the top boys high school players in the greater Houston area each year. Houston freshman guard Tremont Mark won the 2020 Guy V. Lewis Award, <clears throat> while Houston forward Fabian White Jr. was a top 10 Guy V. Lewis Award finalist in 2016 and 2017. Houston junior guard Quentin Grimes was a finalist in 2017 and won the 2018 Gavi Lewis Award. Houston alum Galen Robinson Jr. won the 2015 Gavi Lewis Award. Friday afternoon, Friday morning slash afternoon, I continued my American Athletic Conference Beat Riders interview tour with an interview with ECU Pirates beat writer Ronnie Woodward of The Daily Reflector. You can check it out on YouTube at the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel, or you can listen to it on various podcast platforms. Listen to Dr. Kenyatta Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Dr. Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, and his co-hosts Mike Washington and Charles Bishop each weeknight from 8 to 10 p.m. on Houston Round Ball Review Radio, also which is at roundballreviewradio.airtime.pro or you can watch the show on Facebook Watch each Tuesday evening or on Inside HBCU Sports Lab on YouTube. This past, the most recent show discusses Jackson State signing of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, to be their next head football coach. That's right. In case you missed it, Deion Sanders is coaching football at J-State in the, the SWAC. Wrapping it up, you can catch more of my one-on-one podcasts as well as my interview podcasts on the podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn, as well as on the Houston Round Ball Reviews radio station at roundballreviewradio.airtime.pro. I'm KG, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Visit my website at houstonroundballreview.com for articles and links to my podcasts and videos. While you're at the site, please support the Houston Round Ball Review by contributing via PayPal, or you can contribute via the Cash App. My Cash App account is Christopher Gardner, spelled K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-G. A-R-D-N-E-R. Once again, K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can also sign up via links on my site to get the, the Disney bundle, which includes Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, and Hulu. Save 30% when you bundle all three. As long as you sign up via links on my site, I do earn a commission and all the commissions every little bit helps me continue doing what I've done since 1994. If you already have one of the three streaming services, either Disney plus ESPN plus or Hulu, you can add the other two streaming services and get the bundle, the popular anime series, one punch man and some new shows, but old shows as well as such as the handmade tale are available on Hulu. I began watching a new show on ESPN Plus and Disney Plus 
called Becoming, produced by LeBron James and his team. I watched episode about Anthony Davis, as well as Candace Parker. There are, two, there are 10 episodes. I've seen the first two, well, two of the first three, I believe. Anthony Davis, growing up, his nickname was Fat Man. Yes, AD's nickname was Fat Man growing up. And if you grew up with him, family, relatives, those close to him, they know him and refer to him as Fat Man. Not AD, not the brow, Fat Man. Imagine that. So sign up to get that Dizzy Bundle. Watch sports and original programming. Sign up via my links. I do earn a commission. The Houston Round Ball Review has been around since 1994. Houston Round Ball Review Radio is another platform for me to share news and info with you. Remember, the Houston Round Ball Review. Local name, national perspective. Thank you for your time. Take care.